yo 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 what's up citizens i am your v podcaster host jay starks and welcome back to the bingo book podcast go crazy go stupid (laughs) hey i hope that you've been having a great week so far but you know if not i hope that we can make your day just a little bit easier and better how about that okay we are on episode number 29 and of course we have our summer 2022 anime discussions for our wednesday slate In today's episode, we'll be discussing several topics such as love letters in school. Did you ever get some of those? Maybe someone liked you and gave you a love letter, or maybe you received one. Maybe you've given one. Hmm, we'll see. Uh, We'll also be talking about doing the extreme to get what you want. Hmm. Now, are you willing to go like really, really far, like to the furthest extent to get something that you feel that you absolutely deserve. Well, of course, we'll be discussing this and many, many more topics in today's episode. So, you know, hey, let's go ahead and get started with our first anime for discussion. And that is (laughs) Classroom of the Elite, episode seven, titled To Doubt Everything or To Believe Everything. Now, to be honest, it's a much <laughs> it's a much longer title than that, but ain't no way that I was going to be captioning all of that title. No, no way. But yes, in this episode, uh, Ayano Koji gets approached by a young lady who is curious if he has a girlfriend. After Ayano Koji says he doesn't, she asks to exchange phone numbers with him, and he accepts her request. He's like... Yeah, like, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, you can have my phone number. So, of course, she's all giddy and happy. She's like, yes, got his number. Now, meanwhile, as they're exchanging phone numbers, during this whole ordeal, Kay is looking at this exchange. And later on, she calls Ayana Koji on the phone that night to ask if he now has a girlfriend. And so... During this episode, Kay is doing all kinds of signs that indicate that she pretty much has a crush on Ayana Koji while talking to him on the phone. And because it's late at night, it made me think about late night phone conversations with your crush. Someone that you absolutely love, adore, like to the moon. And the feeling, you know, that you get when you're receiving a late night phone call. I feel like that's like the in like one of the biggest things in a situation like this because I can remember times receiving that late night phone call and you just feel excited. You can't wait to have, you know, see what that conversation is going to hold and where it's going to go. And you just you're giddy. You know, your your heart might be beating fast. Uh, You may even find yourself to be flustered because you don't know exactly what to say, you know, because of that sheer excitement that you have. Now, you know, just kind of a story for me, kind of when it comes down to late night phone calls that I've had, um, I remember I had a um, uh, girl that I used uh, really had a crush on, you know, during school and 
I liked her a lot, but it's like every time I tried to get with her, she was with someone and vice versa. When I was with someone, you know, that's when she was free. So we never got the opportunity to really date. And eventually, like a couple of years later, maybe, you know, two years or so later, she ends up moving away to a whole different like town that's maybe like eight hours away from uh, where we went to school together at. And at that time, it was pretty much like, okay, the relationship is done uh, or, or rather me trying to pursue a relationship with, with her is probably not, not going to happen. And I just remember maybe like a year or two years after she moved, uh, I get a phone call, you know, like, like kind of late at night. And my grandmother, you know, she's one of those people that she has the same phone number for like the last 15, 20 years. Like it just has not changed forever. Right. So I guess, you know, the girl that I like, she remembered the number or had the number somewhere and decided to call and it worked for her. She asked for me and I remember just being so excited when I picked up the phone and I heard her voice on the other end and I just got butterflies and it just did something to me. So, um, yeah, like I, I definitely understand like how good those late night phone conversations can be. And a lot of the times if someone is willing to be on the phone with you that late, then it's a good indication that they either like really, really like you and they're like, you know, like they want to be boyfriend, girlfriend type of thing, or, you know, it's just that y'all have that type of friendship that they care about you that much and really want to be there for you. So it could kind of go a little bit of each way, but I say like the key indicator of when someone you're talking to on the phone, when you know that you really, really like them a lot is <laughs> get this laying on your stomach while on the phone <laughs> I'm, I'm serious like when you're laying on your stomach on the phone like that's like a prime indicator that okay i really like this person because i'm getting a little bit too comfortable with myself to where i'm just finding all these different awkward positions to sit in to talk to this person on the phone you know you're kind of beside yourself so yeah, like if if you're doing the laying on the stomach theme, hey, it's okay. Let it out. <laughs> you you really like that person. It's all good. <laughs> Unless you're just really like like sitting on your stomach while you're talking on the phone. That's kind of weird though. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and move on to our next anime topic. And that is My stepmom's daughter is my ex. Episode seven, titled Higashira Kisana, <laughs> doesn't know what love is. And she really didn't. Like, they literally had to kind of show her, like, hey, you have these feelings for Mizoto, and we're going to try to help you, you know, get in a relationship with him and become boyfriend and girlfriend. Well, in this episode, before all of that, Yume has a flashback during the time when she confessed her love 
for Mizuto. Now, because she was so nervous and afraid to express herself in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Mizuto about her feelings for him, instead, she decided, you know what? I'm going to write him a love letter to ask him to be my boyfriend. Now, that made me think about love letters in school. You know, this is really interesting because for me, somehow I got elected, elected, selected <laughs> by my homegirls or even sometimes random girls to write love letters to their crushes or boyfriends or girlfriends uh, because I had really, really good handwriting. And I, I still to this day, I can't really like it's kind of crazy to me that someone would scope me out and say, oh, you have really good handwriting like write this letter for me. And so I would say this though, pro tip. Here's a pro tip for you. If you want to be in a conversation from other girls or guys, volunteer yourself to write love letters for a cool group of those girls or guys. And I promise you, eventually, like they're going to start talking about you. Like, hold on, like, he's such a cool guy or cool girl and willing to, like, write these letters and stuff like that. Like, maybe I should start, you know, maybe I might, you know, start trying to hook up with this person. And that could really happen, you know, trust me. Um, so, yeah, I was I was definitely trusted, uh, you know, with this task of writing these love letters because, you know, in my area, my neighborhood and school, like people pretty much knew that I was a very loyal and honest person. And I really wasn't about sharing other people's business. So pretty much anything that was said to me was like a vault. Like I had no reason to share that information with anybody else. But the flip side of that is because I knew their business, sometimes I became attached and attracted to that person because like you start to see like their bubbly personality or something like that. And you're like, dang, like I actually like this person. Like they're actually my type, you know, and it's hard to, it's hard to kind of shake off those like, Hey, Okay, my you know, I can't be involved in this. I can't really, you know, try to get all lovey-dovey into my feelings about this because this person is literally showcasing their love for somebody else in this letter. So you can't really get your feelings too involved in a situation like that. But, you know, I definitely will say that love letters uh, are a really good way of expressing yourself to a crush uh, that because you know if they like you back hey you know it's pretty much a done deal and you get to become a couple you know it's it's it's, it's great you know but if you get rejected it doesn't hurt as much because you know it wasn't face to face you know if not face to face rejection is it hurts you know it's hurt but it will actually be talking about that rejection a little bit later in today's um, discussions. But yeah, you know, that it's, it's, it's really, uh, love letters are definitely, and what's another thing that's cool about love letters is the designer. Like, if you know, like I know, there's people that go all out when it comes down to love letters, they make little drawings and, you know, they, you know, it could be, uh, you know, an anime character doing a Kamehameha with some, with some hearts coming out or, um, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse. I mean, it could be all kinds of stuff, but those love letters get really decked out and designed. And 
for me, someone that had good handwriting, but I could actually draw too, which is crazy. Like I was talking to um, one of my homegirls and I was telling her like, I might consider doing like art streams in the future because I do want to get better at art, but man, like I just don't have the patience. Like <laughs> I just don't have the patience. And not only that, but you know, you have artists that have been working on their craft for years. And I just feel like, I don't know if I had that time to invest to get better like that. Like, I would much rather like ask somebody else that can draw really well. Like, Hey, can you hook, hook a brother up? <laughs> But yeah, you know, did you ever write or receive any love letters in school? Definitely let me know in the comments. Okay, you know, I'm excited to read what y'all have about that for sure. Wait, we move, we move, we move to our next anime for discussion. And that is Vermil and Gold, episode seven. Titled Confession. Uh-oh. I'm doing it all right. <laughs> like, that's supposed to be a mosquito in my ear. <laughs> These are my confessions. Ooh, that boy Jay smooth. He's smooth, y'all. But yeah, in this episode, uh Vermil spends some time alone because she just can't stop thinking about Alto. And as a result of this, she has all these bottled up feelings. And not really sure what to do with them. So Lilia uh, sees that Vermil is kind of in this funk. And she approaches her and says, you know, hey, like, gives her these encouraging words and tells her, like, hey, basically you need to confront Alto and tell him exactly how you feel. Like, it's it's fine. Like, you have to trust him and and, and believe that he'll hear you out completely. And so confessing your true feelings you know, is that something that you're, you've done before? Like, man, I, I honestly know that confessing your true feelings can be scary, you know, because mainly you don't want to get hurt. You don't want to tell someone that you care, that you really like, or that you care about your true feelings, because imagine you being friends with this person for years. And then all of a sudden you decide like, Hey, like, I'm I really have feelings for this person. Like, let me confess and tell them exactly how I feel. And then what comes next is rejection. You know, this the per, you know your friend or this person that you really like says, like, dang, like I, I appreciate that you feel this way about me, but you know, honestly, like I don't feel the same way about you. Like, I see you really as a friend, and and that's it. You know, you're more like a sister to me or brother to me and it's like oh oh it's like sad mode like my heart my heart can't take this anymore it's 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 bad like that feeling of of rejection it stings a lot and you know it can be a lot to come from because i've seen in some instances where you've been rejected and your feelings are so hurt that you can't even go any further with being friends with this person because you see too much in them as far as, you know, a, a potential boyfriend or girlfriend. So yeah, like, you know, if, I, I definitely understand of why you wouldn't want to confess your true feelings to someone because 
you know, you're, you don't, you're, it's the, the thought of, Hey, if this goes sideways and it doesn't work out, what am I going to do next? And that fear of not knowing what's to come, man, it can really shake you up, you know, like really, really bad. But, um, but there's also like understanding from that person, but they're not able to like reciprocate those same feelings. It's kind of like what I said before, like, you know, the person that you like says, Hey, I, you know, I, I, you know, I appreciate you for, you know, letting me know that, but you know, I, I'd rather just remain friends or, you know, it could be a platonic thing where they say, Hey, I, I'll, I'm willing to go like meet you halfway. And I'll say this, you know, maybe I'll have feelings for you months, you know, a couple of weeks from now, months from now, years from now. And I'd be willing to like, give that a shot but I'm not going to rush anything and I'm not going to just jump in a relationship. So let's just see where things go and we'll just kind of play it that way. And that, that's, that's definitely a situation that can happen. Like I've, I've, I've actually been in a situation like that before and it worked out actually pretty well. You know I mean? I'm not with that person now, but still like you could find um, ways of being in a relationship through time, you know, and I, I've said this also before, you know, you never know when you like someone until you like someone, you know, and that's, it's so true. Like the person might not be the most attractive. It might not be the most, uh, you know, physically appealing, like all these different things, but you hang around that person enough time, you might start feeling attracted to them because maybe they make you feel secure. Maybe they make you feel comfortable maybe they make you laugh and you just feel like unguarded and protected by that person i mean it can be so many different reasons why and all of a sudden you just really like that person and you can see past you know some of the 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 things that you may not like in a person you know but and see all the other positives and next thing you know you know your relationships and things are great and there's the flip side of this is that that person may um work with you on the things that you really like like maybe they want you want them to be more physically toned and all that and they say okay boom because you're my girl or you're my my my, my guy like i'm gonna start hitting the gym and bam like now your your person's looking like a million bucks and they did all of these things for you and you're probably sitting on on top of the world like I, like i have the best relationship ever you know um but of course, you know, there is the friend zone, you know, the 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 scary friend zone that people could get involved in when you confess your true feelings. And that sucks, you know, like getting friend zoned and knowing that there's probably no way for you to get out of that uh, area. Uh, you know, it, it can be daunting because now the I say like the psychology that plays with your brain is, man, it seems like every time. I, you know, step up and I, I tell someone or I express how I care about someone, I get rejected each time or I get put back in a friend zone. So what's the point? Like, why should I continue going forward in this relation, you know, in this, this friendship when I know like things aren't going to go any further than that, you know? And I didn't, I never, I guess like I never intended to be like just friends with this person. I always had a end goal in mind that i would want to try to be boyfriend girlfriend and you know or maybe i see you as a future wife or husband in this whole situation and that 
that could be like something that's really tough pill to swallow as well but i don't know like i i I definitely do feel like i don't it just feels better when you're friends first like when you're friends first and you you for the most part like you know like this person's quirks and kinks and and things like that it just to me it just seems easier to have like a much better uh relationship if y'all get more involved romantically uh, but I could also see like the flip side of why somebody would probably not want to be friends with them is because it could be a turnoff. Like I can't, I, because I see you so much as a friend, it's hard for me to turn on like the sexual appeal, you know, theme I have for you, you know? And so I could see that as well, but um, I don't know when it comes to, but I will say this, when it comes down to friends, you know, I, I feel like you can ex- express your true feelings to them as as well, but you know it might be weird. But per- you know, personally, I don't care. Uh, I let my guy and girlfriends know all the time, like, "Hey, I love you, bro," or "I, I love you, girl." Like, you know, I-, I you know I care about you so much. Uh, now, most of them say it back, <laughs> but there are a couple that seemed uh, I don't know. It seemed like they might get like lgbtqia plus cooties or something i yeah, I don't know it just feels like that but it, for me it's like like bruh like relax you ain't even that cute <laughs> like, like trust me i am not on you like that like just like relax my guy you know or the homegirl you know but yeah so that's that's that you know confessing of your true feelings can be a, a tough one but you know we you know so you gotta weather that storm sometimes Okay, moving on to our next anime for discussion, and that is Engage Kiss, episode seven, titled, But It's Okay, That's Enough. Hmm. Now, in this episode, Kisada meets Sharon Holy Grail in an undisclosed location to settle things once and for all. Now, this is seemingly all to protect Shu, but I would say this is mostly like Kasara's concern. Like she was more so like, okay, I have to protect Shu from this crazy church lady, I guess you could say. (laughs) But not knowing that Sharon took like these super extreme measures by obtaining this demon-powered suit to defeat her so they get into you know she's hopping in this suit that's kind of like wrapping all around her body she goes out to meet casada in this this location and they get to squabbling you know it was it was a actually a kind of cool fight you know uh but uh it makes me ask like doing the extreme to get what you want because sharon in my mind she literally did what i thought was a very extreme thing, you know, in order kind of sacrificing her body in order to defeat Kasara, who it has like a demon power herself. And so, you know, it makes me think about like, are, you know, what are extremes are people willing to go through to get what they want? Now, the downside of that is in doing going to those extremes, I, you know, some people will be willing to hurt others in the process of doing that said extreme to get what they want. And man, that's, it's such a sucky thing. Like knowing that there are some people that's like, Hey, 
by any means necessary. If that means that I burn a thousand bridges, you know, and hurt, you know, or burn, you know, thousand people, it doesn't matter because as long as I get this end result, this is what it's going to be. So think about these different industries, you know, think about, let's say the music industry, because I think the music business is probably one of the um, more common uh, focal points that a lot of people talk about when it comes down to others getting hurt in the process for other people's gain. And in the music business, you, you hear stories about um, managers or labels that might take advantage of their artists and, um, you know, maybe shelve their, their music, or, or sometimes they might make hit records, but because of the contract, you know, contractual obligations that they're in, you know, they're not making a significant amount of money and the label or maybe management is making a lot more money in the process. And so for, you know, people in that position, they're saying, Hey, you know, this is a business I'm here to make money. And if that means I have to screw over, you know, a couple artists to get what, you know, to, to become financially stable, then I'm willing to do that. And it's like, dang, like, do you, you not have a heart, man? You know? So now listen, you know, to all of my music execs labels out there, Hey, I, I got no beef with you. Okay. <laughs> it's all good on this side. I'm not saying that this is everybody. I'm just saying that this is definitely uh, something that happens uh, in the, in the industries and a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, even in the workforce, you know, you see, uh, favoritism could be a part of that extremism where you have someone that likes a certain employee very, very, very much and going to the extreme to show their favoritism. Maybe they prop them up to get more rewards and stick other employees like in a, a, a more worse situation to where maybe they can't flourish as good as um, my phone. <laughs> as good as anybody else. So yeah, I mean, that definitely does happen. Um, then there's also like the doing the extreme of just purely being blind because think about a horse, you know, a horse that's in a race and they have those blinders on the side of their eyes. So the only thing they can do is look straight, right? Well, it's kind of like that where you are so focused on getting what you want or the the your whatever your end goal is that anything that's on the side behind you <laughs> you're like you're not using any peripheral vision at all it's just whatever's in front of you that's all you you care about which you're zoomed and locked in on and so because you're blind to everything else um it doesn't really matter what what happens besides that and uh, and so that could be also another kind of example of someone doing the extremes just to get what they want, uh, but totally being oblivious to everything else that's around them. And so, I mean, it could be, those things can be very, very dangerous because, um, you know, it's almost like a war path, you know, you hear, Hey, stay out of this person's war path. Like once they go off on a, on a tyrant, you know, they don't care who's in their way. And it's, it's kind of, similar to to that effect but yeah extremes like have you done anything 
extreme to get what you want, definitely let me know in the comments for sure. Um, I'm trying to think like extremes that I have to, have I really done anything that I would say like is extreme to get what I want? Um, I mean, I've had like some, I've shared some stories about at least like relationships that I've, I've had in the past. And, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Capricorn. I think that's what I do. I, I, I see things kind of unfold um, in the future. And so I, and I'm strategic that way. And so if there is someone that I really, really like, I mean, what person doesn't try to like set up a scenario of where they're in a winning situation where they can possibly bag that person, you know? Oh, okay. Now, like I set the table to where I know for out of shadow of a doubt, like this person's going to want to date me or even at work where it's like, you know, you go, maybe you want a job and you go for an interview and in that interview, of course, like you're going to, I would, well, I would like to think, I like to think that most people are going to be prepared for that interview. So, you know, you do all the things that you have to do to where, um, you look like a good, uh, asset for a company. And if they see that you really prepare well, you have some really great answers to whatever questions they may have and your experience and everything else might check out, or maybe they're just willing to give you a shot. Like all those things that you set in place in, in the beginning, uh, to get ready for that interview are all like tools to help you land the job. And so I see it the same way as like, if you think about it, you're kind of going through it. Most people, I would say a lot of people, if you really, really want the job, you probably do go through two extreme measures to try to land that job. So I'm not saying that each and every time, like you do something extreme, it's at the expense of somebody else. Cause that's not necessarily true, but we do know that that definitely does happen <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, Bit says, Hey, the most extreme I did was taking two buses to get to her. Oh, he said, they said, I'm a traveling man. <laughs> hey, hey, look, you, uh, you, you should not feel bad about that at all because here's the thing. I've seen, I mean, even if you look on social, you know, you pull up uh, Instagram or Twitter, you'll see stories of people that, go across countries to like date somebody that they really, really like, you know, or to spend time. And I mean, you know, sometimes it get, it turns out real bad where they get sent back home with no luggage, <laughs> no clothes. There's only thing, there's only the clothes that they have on their back. And, you know, sometimes in those instances, they're supposed to be, uh, kind of like an unsaid thing that's supposed to happen if you travel far to meet somebody, which is ridiculous to me. Like, like, no, like just because I, I go a certain distance doesn't mean that a, B and C is definitely going to happen. Like, nah, like that, but see, that's the risk that you take once you go meet somebody, you know, especially long distance Like you. And to me, it's like, I don't understand. I honestly, I honestly do not understand the stories of people that will travel like a whole like different state or country to meet someone. That person has expectations that doesn't get met and they send them back home 
but they don't have money to pay for a plane ticket back and they're stuck at the airport or at the Greyhound or wherever the system that they use to get back. They don't have money to kind of get back and they have to call up family members or um, <laughs> put up a, a, a GoFundMe or something like that. And it's like, like, are you stupid? Like, <laughs> are you dumb? Like, honey, I, I honestly, I cannot, I can't, I cannot comprehend. I can't, can't comprehend that situation. I would, I would never put myself in a situation like that, but Hey, you know, some people do some very, very crazy things for love <laughs> or the pursuit of love, I guess you could say. Okay. Let's move on to our next anime for discussion. And that is Overlord. Good old Overlord. Episode 7, titled Frost Dragon Lord. Now, <laughs> with a title like this, you would probably think that this is an episode that was going to have like some crazy fighting. Um, you know, this dragon that was just going to go absolutely ham and it was just going to be kind of a battle between Ainz and this dragon back and forth. Like, none of that happened. <laughs> and none of that happened. Like this title, this title was so like misleading, I would say. But yeah, in this episode, Ainz instructs uh, Shaltir and Orabella, which she's like one of my favorite characters in his anime. Um, you know, she uh he instructs them to destroy this Quagua group. I probably said that all wrong, but yeah, she, you know, they they you say, Hey, I want you to defeat this group if they don't uh give up and you know, pretty much surrender themselves, you know, destroy thousands of them until they're willing to to give up. And if not, you know, destroy all of them, you know, and so Shaltir and Aura go up to like the leader of this group and say, Hey, you know, you either are going to surrender now or you're going to pay the price. And the, the leader of this group is like, Bump it. We fighting, you know, fight back, you know, fight back vibes going all over the place. Right. And <laughs> he sends all of these people in this group to go fight Shaltir and Aura. And Shaltir just shreds them apart. Literally, bodies are just flying everywhere. I mean, blood, bones. I mean, it was just, it was a massacre. It, it was just, it was, it was bad. It was really, really, really bad. And the leader of this Quagra group, he sees that, you know, they're not so much outnumbered, but they're outpowered. And he can't believe that Shaltir is so powerful. And uh Ainz wasn't willing to show his hand of power so like much sooner like he he put he pretty much preferred that they would have showed that power right from the beginning so he wouldn't have sacrificed uh so many people a part of his group but hey you know that's the thing like you gotta be able to read between the lines and you have to be able to kind of um um maybe est like kind of size up what's going on and sometimes that can be hard to do but yeah you know it, it brings up the question of knowing when to give up so you know eventually for those uh, of us that are watching on the live stream right now you can see the leader of this group is bowing down to Ainz 
in sheer um, surrender mode. <laughs> and he sees Ayn's aura just kind of oozing out of him, this black aura. And he, he pretty much knows, like, dang, if this is the uh, supreme sorcerer, you know, the leader of this whole group, and he hasn't even shown us his power, but you have someone like Shaltier who shows up and just wrecks shop on our on my whole lineage. Like he's got to be on a completely different level. So I have to go ahead and just you know give up right now. And so you know eventually he ceased um, sending more of his troops out. But to what end? Like he lost thousands of of troops um, because of his ignorance or not being able to assess the situation good enough and so it does beg the question of knowing when to give up like man like when like when do you really know when it's time to give up now i'd say if you are doing something for years 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 you know and things just aren't working out that could could now mind you could be a sign that you might want to give up because eventually if you keep, you know, you keep, you've been putting in all this time, but nothing has really came about from it. Then yeah, it might be time to give up on that. But here's the thing though. Sometimes it's not so much about the time that you've invested in something because what you're doing actually might be like good. It might be a good thing, but maybe you might need to modify it just a bit to where it actually starts picking up, getting traction, or uh, you know maybe it becomes something that you can actually uh, make money from. Sometimes it's just a, a change of pace that needs to happen for it to start working. Uh, but what else? Like what else could be uh, a, a thought of when you know you probably should give up? Uh, definitely, I would say. Now here's the thing. Like this is this is kind of a double edged sword. If you have a lot of people coming up to you and saying, hey, man, <laughs> they, come, they come to you with the, like, bro, I don't want to hear another mixtape, another song, another drill music. I don't want to hear none of that from you, bro. Like, just give up this whole rap career that you're trying to follow because newsflash, it's not going to happen. Like, keep your day job, buddy. Like, like that, like, bro, like, trust me, if you live in certain areas of the world, let's say Chicago, especially, you know, um, I say go back maybe three years ago, you know, someone is going to approach you with a CD <laughs> or mixtape or a download link to their SoundCloud or something like that and say, hey, yo, check out my music. You're gonna be looking at them like, like you look at the you look at the cover of the album, and it's like bones, you know, guns all over the front cover, and you're like, man, I don't, I already know I ain't about this, right? <laughs> and I'm not even hating on like drill music or people that are like into that, or whatever, because every like to me, when it comes down to music or art or whatever, like genre like there's always going to be an audience for someone but let's just be honest there are some artists that really just don't have it 
you know they don't have it and it's 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 not that you can't be better but as right now at this moment like you might want to stop rapping you know just give up give up the goal but even artists you know and but it's another part of it is like just the love you know sometimes if you really just enjoy what you're doing rather be art or you know sports or something like that you might not even be that good at it you might uh enroll yourself in a um a city a, a summer league or something like that and have fun and it's something like to just keep you in shape or not and but you never see yourself as being really good at it or the best it's just something that's a time kill and what you enjoy doing and i say like there's nothing wrong with that but I imagine that there are some, you know, some people out there that may have families, um, you know, wives or husbands, and they'll say, hey, like, I know that you enjoy doing this, but I need you to, you know, spend more time at home or whatever the case may be. And so what do you do? Do you do you give up the, the passion, even though it's not something that you're great at? Or do you try to, um you know, come to a compromise, you know, I mean, there's so many different efforts, you know, or situations with that. Now me personally, I'm just like, Hey, you know, if it's something that you love to do and it's not hurting anybody, then do it. You know, like it's, it's not a problem. Um, but I can also see where let's say it's a financial thing and, um, you're spending all this money on trying to be a movie director and none of your films are popping off. They're not doing anything on an indie circuit. And most of the reviews are really bad from people that watched your material. <laughs> like you're looking at your, your, your bank account with you and your partner and y'all are in the red, you know, negative, you know, $12,000 or something like that. Oh yeah. That, that relationship might not last too long. <laughs> you might- and right now, hey, I wish you the best, though. I wish you the best. But all right. Well, hey, you know, that is the end of this episode. If you are listening to us from our DSPs, wherever you get your bingo book podcast from, we greatly appreciate you for listening in. But hey, if you are watching us on our YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook live stream pages, please stick around because we do have our character analysis segment. That's where. I get to show you a character that you get to guess. Like, hey, who could this character be? And then we'll be covering and then we'll rank seven unique attributes about that character. We'll have that in just a moment. I am going to take a short bathroom break.